0: Life is hard. Life with chronic, critical, and complex health concerns is even harder. We all know someone who is struggling with health issues or disability. It might even be you. And in the pain and suffering, we wonder if it's possible to move from surviving to thriving. We struggle to hope, struggle to persevere, struggle to trust that God knows what He's doing. But in the struggle, there is real hope, and it's possible to be rooted and ready to weather the storm. Welcome to the Blue STEM Project Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Hello, and welcome to the Blue STEM Project Podcast, where husband and wife team Brandon and Amy Smith. The Blue STEM Project exists to equip and encourage you in the suffering, hardships, and trials of life that come with health issues and disability. We do this by helping root you in Christ and by giving you the tools you need to be ready for life's greatest obstacles.
1: In this episode, we are going to talk about how not to engage grieving people. Because I think we've all been there, where we've stuck our foot in our mouth. Or we've been on the receiving end of it.
0: Yeah, it doesn't feel good. And
1: it doesn't feel good. So we're hoping that this episode is going to be one where we can learn together, but also laugh. And be able to laugh through some of these things, because it's both things we've done and received. So, it's both and.
0: I was thinking about this there have been a number of things I've heard people say that you would just have to qua- quantify as stupid. Stupid to things. To grieving people. I've, like you said, we've had people say some things to us that are, mm-hmm. that are pretty dumb. I'm sure I've said something mm-hmm. really stupid. But here, let us give you just a couple quotes of stupid things <laughs> we've heard people say uh, to kind of to break the ice as we get into how not to interact bit. with and minister to grieving people. Mm -hmm. So uh, I heard this from a friend when they had a miscarriage, so they're devastated and sad, and someone said to them, oh, well, maybe the child would have had disabilities.
1: Mm, It just hurts. It's like we can get awkward in our desire to, to enter in our comfort, but it just, we fumble and say things. Or if a child is lost, let's say to cancer, then someone might say to the parents, well, you have other kids, don't you? Ugh.
0: Yeah. I actually, I actually heard that one. My dad yeah. was saying Ugh. his four- or five-year-old was looking like they'd die <laughs> of cancer. And mm. someone said, well, you have other kids, don't you? And he was like, as if I don't care about, about the one this <laughs> one right here. Yeah.
1: Uh, Ugh. Foot in the mouth.
0: So so we're going to jump through uh, a number of tips. uh and we're going to try and explain them as well as we can, realizing that you can overdo almost all of these. Mm. And so we want to kind of quantify them well as we explain them. But the first one we want to give you is probably going to catch you a little bit off guard. But of we feel
1: no- very strongly about. Yes. <laughs> really yes. passionate.
0: Of how not to grieve well with people. And one is to over-empathize with them. This
1: probably comes as totally counterintuitive.
0: Yeah, because our... Empathy is one of our culture's highest virtues. Mm -hmm. It's one of the most important things for you to do. Mm -hmm. And if if we were to explain what empathy is, as it's often espoused culturally, it's that you lose yourself in their grief. Mm -hmm. Basically, you lose your identity in them. Mm -hmm. And so a a difference between, say, compassion and empathy, compassion would say, I'm going to suffer with you. Right. Right. Empathy says, I'm going to suffer in you.
1: Mm -hmm. There's a really great analogy that I love that I heard in describing the difference between compassion and empathy that I think gives a good mental picture for. Compassion is if someone is sinking in sinking sand and I come to help them, I will grab hold of the tree that's anchored just next to the sinking sand and then hand them my hand and help to pull them out while I'm still anchored to the tree nearby. Empathy would be you see someone in sinking sand and you see the tree next to them, but you jump into the sinking sand with them.
0: Yeah, you're, you're no longer really able to help them. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is that their feelings, which we all all have experienced this in the midst of emotionally stressful, tense circumstances, our feelings can start to dictate what we think about reality mm-hmm. but be a false reality. Right. And so compassion says, you know what? I want to help you but to go off your analogy cute wife, you're helping the sufferer by keeping a firm mm-hmm. hand anchored on the tree of truth mm-hmm. or reality. Mm-hmm. Because they're often not going to be able to see through the pain. The pain, the emotions, the circumstances. Mm-hmm. And it's most loving for you to provide yourself or to be a a helper to them in that sense. Otherwise, here's what happens. Their emotions basically become judge and jury Mm -hmm. and function as God. Mm -hmm. So an an example I thought of, you know, someone might say in the midst of their suffering, it, it feels like God doesn't love me anymore. Well, if you were to over empathize with them you would just jump in and be like god doesn't love us yeah. anymore oh mm-hmm. man because you feel this way cancer diagnosis showed up it is proof that god doesn't love us mm-hmm. when in reality you would want to go you know what i have compassion that you feel that way and mm-hmm. that's a painful f- place to be mm-hmm. but guess what there's truth and say mm-hmm. in you know, Romans 8, uh, you know, 38, 39, I'm sure that neither life nor death, angels nor uh, demons, uh, things present nor things to come, nor anything else in all creation, and I'm skipping over a couple of things there, but <laughs> will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord.
1: Mm-hmm. And it might not mean that you're saying all of that in that moment, but you're not allowing their feelings to affect your knowledge of that truth that maybe you'll share at a later time even to help them.
0: Yeah. Have you, let me ask you this cute wife. Mm-hmm. When can this uh, be taken in the wrong direction? Saying we're not going to over-empathize with them. What would be mm-hmm. an example of, of where you could go into the other um, the, ditch?
1: Would be avoiding them completely. <laughs> not not knowing how to handle these big emotions that they might be feeling, and then just completely kind of stiff-arming or just avoiding.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Avoiding them, being the truth hammer,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: If you're trying to keep a, a grasp on reality on their behalf, mm-hmm. you could hammer them with the truth. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the obvious or the truth isn't maybe necessary to be spoken in every circumstance. Mm-hmm. might be best to be quiet. Mm-hmm. But no, let's let's jump on that, what you just said. Avoid them completely. That would be another... Yeah. Excellent way to not grieve well with people.
1: Because it can be hard. I mean, the emotions felt when in deep suffering or in deep grief are large and they are heavy. And so it can feel like you're jumping into a crazy storm in the middle of the ocean. And you kind of are. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, on the opposite side of entering in and jumping into the tumultuous waters would be to completely avoid going near them entirely. And that can be super painful as well because then then it does feed into the I am too much for people and I'm all alone.
0: Yeah, and I've gathered that uh, I'm too much for you is kind of a, a feminine Email. fear mm-hmm. a little more often than maybe a masculine fear. Mm-hmm. But the thought of being overwhelming to someone is... It's a painful thing, I think, for anybody, but especially mm-hmm. uh, for women. And if you just, like you said, if you just avoid them, oh, nope, you're in pain. There's all, there's really hard things going on in your life. I'm going to treat you like a leper mm-hmm. and, you know, st- keep my distance. Uh, that doesn't give them much, you're, you're not giving them in your interaction much hope mm-hmm. in their circumstance. Right. And And like you said, you're, you're putting him off alone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it kind of non-verbally communicates that whoever maybe is avoiding me, let's say in my depth of grief that I could be walking through, it non-verbally comes across as they don't care. Mm-hmm. Even though even though, like I might be fighting to believe that they just don't know how to enter in, it does kind of come across as they don't care or they don't realize how big this is or how hard this is or... Or whatnot. I think even a, a quick difference that I've noticed too is like to not know what to say or to not know how to enter in, maybe we step back and can avoid. But even simply like sending a text or making a quick call, knowing they might not even, the person that's grieving and suffering, might not answer or respond. But at least you've initiated a reach out, kind of a touch point, kind of like throwing the, the life support, so to speak, but they might not be ready to take it or receive it.
0: Yeah, if you're drowning in grief, to some degree, and, and it's going to vary by person. Some people are more individualistic mm-hmm. and maybe self care capable, or more private with their emotions. But to give someone the verdict, basically by not by avoiding them, I'm not going to help you. Mm-hmm. I'm not in it with you. Mm-hmm. It can be a very very painful thing, especially if it is someone you're close to. And there's going right. to be a, a proximity for sure you know, in certain relationships uh where we're really a smarter to enter in if it's someone who's really distant and they've put something on Facebook you know you're not necessarily required right to right. respond to you know oh you had a miscarriage you know but I haven't talked to you before this in 8 years mm-hmm. versus like if it was a sibling right. or a friend <laughs> you know Facebook different... alone
1: brings in a whole another element of like how do we enter in cuz we know more than most people would know <laughs> even just 10 years ago
0: yeah let's let's transition to another one here, yeah, which is where a lot of these stupid statements I'm just going to call them what they are <laughs> I don't want to sugarcoat it uh, <laughs> s- Some of these stupid statements that we already read that people have said come from the third thing we're going to give you here is minimize their pain yeah and I think because things get uncomfortable when someone is really. Suffering, we want to try and fix it or make it a little bit better. And the way that we try to do that is to try and get across to them it's not as bad as it could be, mm-hmm. or it's not as bad as you think it is.
1: There's, you can o- there's
0: worse stuff out there. there. Literally, there is there is always something worse that you could compare someone's mm-hmm. suffering to. Mm-hmm. And almost all the time, it's a bad idea to go into that comparison mode.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, it's possible. That someone is really overreacting and you do need to bring him into reality. Like our son Brody (laughs) has said before, this is the worst day of my life. Over. Like having to go to bed on time (laughs) like he always does every night. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to jump in and go, oh, buddy, you're right. This is so hard. This is the worst thing that could ever happen to you. I'm going to be like, bud, it's not as big a deal as you're making it. So what we're talking about, though, when we say minimize their pain is not that.
1: Right. There is a balance. And I think it is important that we mention, too, that there is such a balance. And something we'll touch on even at the end is that there's a level of prayer and discernment that has to go in with all of these interactions. Because some of these things aren't innately wrong to do, but can be wrong in certain situations at certain times and with certain relationships and then your approach and things like that. So
0: yeah I had one friend tell me when their baby was in the NICU they had a a doctor that was uh, from from Africa and the doctor kind of minimized their pain by saying to them well in Africa all you have is a mother's milk and a mother's warmth to try and say
1: There's so much more that's helping this baby. Stop
0: grieving. You're in America. You have a NICU. Mm -hmm. You have all this stuff. And sure, is there some degree of gratitude Mm -hmm. for technology or things that we can have? Absolutely. But this was like the child is on the verge of death, you know, trying to minimize their pain. Right. Not exactly a smart thing to do. No. Here's another thing that's not real smart to do. Uh, Be happy when they are sad.
1: That can be hard because uh, because some people we recognize too in their desire to enter in or inability to know how to enter in humor or just being happy is easier than knowing how to be sad.
0: Yeah, and again, this is there's a bit of a sliding scale here. I don't want to, or we don't want to communicate an all or nothing. Whenever mm-hmm. anybody is a little bit sad, you have to exactly mm-hmm. be as sad as they are. Right. We're talking about a general principle. And and let me actually read from Proverbs 25, verse 20. I think this will help kind of shape or um, explain what we're saying. It says, whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Yeah. And so there's a point at which when someone is really sad or grieving, if you're just happy, that that really kind of shows I don't care or I don't even recognize what's going on. Or mm-hmm. I don't think it's a big deal, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to live my life my own way, mm-hmm. and and do my own thing.
1: I've I've felt this a lot when so we've had several and some very extensive times spent in the hospital when our son is either sick or having surgery or whatnot, and I have felt this even in when I've walked the halls, um, to go to his room or even sitting in the cafeteria at times the sense of. We might even be having a good day with our son, and things mm-hmm. could be pretty bright. But I'm very aware that the majority of people in the hospital are there for hard things. They could be have been there for weeks without a diagnosis, or maybe they just received a death sentence kind of diagnosis. Or maybe um, maybe you are there to celebrate the birth of a baby. But being aware of the mix of emotions that are going on there, I, I, I've always recognized, like, when I enter a hospital, I kind of have more of a subdued... Disposition just out of like respect for the magnitude of the sadness that's probably going on.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's really wise. Now that you say that, I think subconsciously I've kind of done that as well. Mm-hmm. But I I remember I had a friend tell me, very wise godly man. Uh, his son passed away suddenly. You know, it was about mm-hmm. mid thirties. Um, just real real tragic thing, and he just said. You know, when he was at his funeral for his son, he heard people laughing, So painful. like out, you know, maybe in the in the foyer or whatever, and just how painful that was, mm-hmm. and how that struck him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I can get that. Now, do they have to grieve exactly like you do? Of course not. They're right. it's not their son, right? right? It's not the exact same circumstance, but there's the some time serious, and place. There's a, yeah, there's a. A time and place. Yeah. I remember a friend of ours, when things were really at their low point with Beckett, he came over. And he is a naturally very funny guy and hmm. uses humor well in general and you know, mm-hmm. is funny. But one of the first things he did was kind of crack a joke. And I just remember feel- feeling like that was just so out of place. Mm-hmm. I, like I don't appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it wasn't so bad that I ever mentioned it or needed to mention it or need to now.
1: But I did. But enough that it hurt when it happened or it had an impact.
0: Yeah. So I think we've already hit this, but I want to say it again just to make sure. When we say, like, you know, being happy when they're sad is a bad way to grieve with people, there is also the other ditch you can go into where you say, I must be just as miserable all the time as anyone who is sad in my presence. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's not going to be the exact same thing, but there's an amount of wisdom in light of how they're doing to decide, yeah, how, how happy to be. Mm-hmm. For sure. And, you know, their side for them is if you're sad, you know, the Bible does say rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Mm-hmm. So there's a time even when life might be really hard or painful for you, but maybe you're going to a wedding mm-hmm. of a friend or family member. And it would be good in that moment to put aside mm-hmm. by an act of your will mm-hmm. a degree of your sadness to be able to enter into their joy.
1: I've, I've, a very similar one though is that I've been exposed to by several people and even myself is when, when you're pregnant and have hard things even going on in utero and you're getting hard news and then you're invited to a baby shower. Oh, yeah. And the, it, you, I think, in those situations, I would say, I know you have a choice. You don't even have to go, depending. Yeah. But when you do, if you're going to go, it's like have an ability of kind of setting aside your heart to be able to be there and rejoice with those who are rejoicing.
0: Yeah. So it's a two way, two way street. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to this next one. A good way to not grieve well with people. Talk a lot, especially about yourself and I think your circumstances. A, I
1: really think this one happens a lot because people really get uncomfortable, and we are not, as a culture, we are not good with silence. Yeah. And so if someone's crying or just doesn't have the ability to articulate maybe what they're thinking or feeling, even a, a friend or family member with them might just feel like they need to fill the space with lots of words.
0: Yeah, I, I remember once... A friend of mine knew exactly what was going on with our hardship with Beckett and talking with him, and he just started talking all about what was going on in his life, <laughs> really flippant, hobby-level hobby, hobby level type stuff, not work or family or spirituality, and just talked and talked and talked. <laughs> and I was sitting there going, like, you know what's going on in my life. Like, what on earth? Are you doing? And I have to be careful too to not make myself right uh, the center of everyone's universe. Cause that's another right. thing that grief can you know, do. Like, can do is you lose the ability to see outside of yourself, and so you can be selfish in grief. Mm-hmm. And so, even in that moment, I was trying to think: Am I being selfish here? And I, I thought, no, this is just kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, shut up! <laughs> like, I don't.
2: This is not helping. My son,
0: my, I have to make decisions about mm. my son's end of life. Uh-huh. Care, and you're talking about your hobbies,
1: right? Doesn't uh, no, no, a, no, thanks. <laughs> there's a little discontinuity yeah, you know,
0: there. <laughs> I might need to walk away.
1: Yeah, similarly, you I remember. Can talk to yourself. I remember when we were uh, s- about to leave the NICU and realizing our life was going to have um, pretty much full time nurses in our home all of a sudden. Someone, and here, okay, here's the thing too. Like we, we hope we're being clear on saying. We understand there is a both sides to this. We don't want grieving people also to just wallow and not be able to grow and see outside of themselves all the time either. But for me, as I'm literally starting to just process that, oh my gosh, I'm only nurses or Brandon and myself will be able to care for Beckett because that's the level of care he needs. Not even our parents or our siblings as aunts and uncles will be able to care for him. No neighbor, no college friend, like college student because we were college students, like we were just realizing it was going to be a very select few people that could even care for our child and someone in, in, in her desire to connect. So again, I'm able to see this objectively, but yet it still was not the best thing. She wanted to enter in and fill that space that I was leaving of silence as I was lamenting over this reality by talking about the challenges it even is to just find a babysitter for her kids. I'm like, oh, I just was crushed because I'm like, but at least you don't have all these other limitations, <laughs> like yeah. So it it can be tricky. Yeah,
0: let's uh, you know, because of you know people talking a lot is what we were <laughs> saying is a good way not to grieve with people in that talking. You know, becomes a lot of uh, foot and mouth type of things. Mm. So let's hit on, again, I know we kind of started the episode uh, with stupid things that people say. I remember someone said to me that the reason Beckett was in the condition he was in, or at least part of the reason he was Mm -hmm. in the condition he was in, never going to walk, never going to talk, never going to eat from his mouth, uh, was because I lacked faith (laughs) in God for him to be healed.
1: I think it was both of us. Wasn't it implied that it was both of us lacking faith?
0: Yeah, um, but the person was just yeah. saying it yes, to me. So, yes, yeah, yeah, I'm like, how dumb is that? Our world <laughs> is unraveling. We're grieving all the, the loss that this means for our son in mm-hmm. our life, and you blame us. And really what it came from was really bad theology. Right. Um, out of a, a church in California, Bethel Redding, that God always chooses to heal. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't... So, mm-hmm. so basically, because God always chooses to heal, it's his default. Therefore, it is your fault to some degree or in some measure when it, when he when does not. When someone's not it, healed. Because yeah. he's already done it. it seems it's they just... forget about the uh, blind man when they ask oh, Jesus my gosh. who sinned him, him mm-hmm. or his parents. He was born blind. And Jesus says, neither. Right. But this occurred so that the glory of God may be displayed mm-hmm. in him.
1: Just an oversight on that passage, right?
0: <laughs> so that person who actually said that actually later apologized mm-hmm. uh, to me and Mm -hmm. realized uh, his mistake yeah
1: so sometimes though things will be said that it's not even in a a relationship context but i remember in a brief conversation with someone so beckett's our second child and we our oldest is a a boy so we have two boys or we had our one boy brody we're pregnant with our second and they find out that we're having another boy because i'm visibly pregnant and in her like thinking she needed to console me in the fact that I'm having another boy, which wasn't necessary anyway, but her first response was, I guess all that matters is that baby's healthy, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, not knowing. And
1: at that point we knew he was not healthy. So yeah. it was like, oh and if she, you only knew
0: Yeah, she didn't know that. No. Right. So there's some grace. But there's also things but it still to, hurt. It's like, oh my Right,
1: because and then in future Family members of ours that have been pregnant since we've had Beckett, that kind of is that going comment of like, oh, it doesn't matter if baby's a boy girl, it just matters if baby's healthy. And it's just like, do you realize what you're saying? I don't think you do.
0: Yeah, that, that's not very hopeful for our future. Yeah, when you look at it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the other ditches that people fall into is to give pat answers or try and make a simple fix. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the beauties of the Bible and of the Christian worldview, is there's a very nuanced and detailed and accurate depiction of suffering and the causes of suffering. Mm-hmm. Whereas other worldviews or cultures have, have oversimplified and given you know, really simple answers, such as, well, all suffering is the result of your sin, so anything bad like that would be an oversimplification. Sure, if I go get a DUI and crash my or you know, crash my truck and I break my leg and it's gotta be amputated or whatever, like sure, my sin mm-hmm. has caused my pain. Mm-hmm. But if you always look at at someone's hardship or their cancer diagnosis as though they sinned somehow mm-hmm. to cause that to themselves, or their parents sinned or whatever, like you're gonna you're gonna really miss the boat. Right. There's a much more nuanced reality. Mm-hmm. I mean think like, you know, tornadoes <laughs> kill some really good people indiscriminately. Yeah. It happens. Mm-hmm. Tsunamis mm-hmm. wipe out the wicked and the good. Mm-hmm. There are tsunamis that have wiped out churches while they're worshiping mm-hmm. on a Sunday morning. Right. It's it's yeah, an over simplification. Or you know a pat answer that is a a beautiful christian truth but sometimes misapplied oh yeah is romans 8:28 you know god works all things together for the good of those who love him and that is a beautiful truth. truth and it's rightly delivered in certain circumstances but often how that's used is hey get over your pain get over your hardship because mm-hmm. it's all going to work for good. Mm-hmm. I know you, 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 your daughter might have just died. You know your four-year-old. Maybe you she just died. But guess what? God uses it for good. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a pat answer, right? To a really hard, painful.
1: But it's seasoned with some good Christian language and verbiage, so it seems like it's a good thing.
0: Well, and and here's part of why I think people do this. And you maybe use that wrongly at the wrong time is because they assume that grief is a problem to fix. Sure, I think this is probably very American, mm-hmm. especially and, and we live in North Dakota, mm-hmm. so
1: very Midwestern. You know,
0: our area is a lot of scan has a lot of Scandinavian roots, German roots, kind of this very stoic, mm-hmm. hide your emotions, get over it, fix right. everything quickly type of mentality.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the problem is that grief. Is not just a problem to fix, it's a process to engage. I love that. So when people say, give you Romans 8.28, wrongly, oftentimes they're, oh, you're grieving, let's just get it over with, put let's a fix it. On it, let's get it done. Mm-hmm. Instead of realizing, you know what, you got to enter into grief as a process. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if you don't, it's not going to, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to have residual effects later. Right. I mean, I, I remember when we were going through all our stuff with Beckett.
1: You mean the peak of it?
0: Yeah. Because well, it's, it's not over. That's <laughs> true. But yeah, let's just say even the first year. Yes. For me to enter into grief as a process, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't like the idea of crying in front of people often or even with you often. Mm-hmm. And what I would need to do was get in my car, and drive. put on some sappy, sad music, uh, kind of as an emotional lubricant, and drive around and cry. Mm-hmm. And just drive, like by myself, drive around and say, and just think about it. Sometimes it's just like, this is so sad. Mm-hmm. This is like Beckett's condition and life and what this means is so sad. And I just mm-hmm. drive around. And, and I had to do that right. about every two weeks. Yep. And after a while, I got kind of sick of that. And I just, I'm like, I'm tired of grieving. And so I kind of just stuffed it for a, a couple months. And I really noticed the negative impact. Yeah, effects of that.
1: Yeah, I've heard also, or I, I I've received it this way, even to kind of a pat answer or just an oversimplification. Especially if it's not genuine, because that can be very much to- determined and yeah. um, aware of on the receiving end. But if someone, you know, just quickly says, "Oh, I'm praying. Or I'm praying for a miracle." Yeah, it, it just doesn't. It's like, well, but there's more to it. There's more to it than just that. Or I remember too, have you seen a counselor being asked? Like, have you seen a counselor? Great. It's great advice, actually. And in fact, I have at times seen a counselor. But also it just it just makes it seem like, oh, that's the solution. That'll fix everything is if I just go see a counselor.
0: You go to a counselor, yeah. change your diet. Yep. Hang out with friends. Mm-hmm. Go to Vegas. Hmm? Go fishing or hunting. Well, you know pat answer simple fixes yeah assuming grief is just a problem that we got to get over yeah and move on to where you think about in the bible like there are psalms of lament right where there's entire psalms to help in the process of grief or that were written in the process of grief there's an entire book mm-hmm. the book of lamentations which is mm-hmm. a grieving right and so it's a it's a very wise yeah thing to do yeah I think of the the young man that lived with your parents when they were st- uh, mm. stationed over in Poland, and your mom's uh, mm-hmm. brother died. I mm-hmm. believe it was. Yep. And I, again, I just remember hearing the story. We weren't over there.
1: Mm-hmm. He but he was a gentleman from Africa.
0: Yeah, he was. So he from,
1: had African culture background.
0: Yep, he was from Ghana. Mm-hmm. And I remember you. I think you told me, your mom was relaying it to you that. Mm-hmm. Like, in the days after she found out her brother died, he would... Call in and not go to work. Yeah, and follow her around the house. To just be. To just be with her. And cry. Which was somewhat of a cultural thing.
1: Mm -hmm. It was, because she... It was hard for her to receive, because that's not cultural. She's very German (laughs) and from the Midwest. So that was not what she was expecting.
0: Yeah. But But I think even there was a beauty in like mm-hmm. that Ghanaian African viewpoint right. that this is a process and i'm going to enter in yep. with you
1: even though i barely even know you
0: and i don't know you that well mm-hmm. but this just is really sad and so why would i just let you mm-hmm. go through it alone by yourself right and she probably did have to say hey i need a little space at mm-hmm. times but i think i'm like i think that was such a cool
1: yeah she she very much cool was aware that, that it general. was like right a very
0: and somewhat cultural mm-hmm. for sure Yeah, Uh, but beautiful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here would be another way to not help grieving people is encourage them not to grieve, to bury it. Stuff
1: (laughs) it. Or to
0: distract yourself. (laughs) I remember I was talking with someone who was ministering to a, a certain people. In that culture, you were not allowed or you were not encouraged to say the name of someone who died for like a year after their death. So he said, you have to imagine now what happens to the 13-year-old whose friend commits suicide. And just, they're, they, they have the, right, they're 13. They have the maturity of a 13-year-old. And now they're supposed to try and work through this tragedy, but they can't actually talk about the person and, and use and use their name and how kind of, well, just really unhealthy mm-hmm. that right. would be.
1: Kind of out of sight, out of mind. But it doesn't really work that way with grief.
0: It doesn't. No. I've noticed, too, people in encouraging others not to grieve will go kind of the distraction route, Mm -hmm. especially if you think of in secular America, it's going to be like, hey, let's go to the bar. Let's get drunk. Let's go get distracted. Mm -hmm. Let's go do this, that, the other thing, get your mind off it. Now, is there a time to try and get your mind off of things Yes, and and start to come out of the hole Mm -hmm. of grief that you've been buried in? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I'm talking about a, no, let's just not even go there. Uh, don't even grieve, Mm -hmm. bury it, push it aside.
1: Find something that numbs you. That's actually, it reminds me of another funny one with Brody. Even his, sometimes he'll have his his worst days, as he'll say, and it's such deep emotion that he feels. And there'll be times that he'll ask me or even tell me that, or he'll ask me if he can have some extra iPad time because that's, he says, that's the only thing that will distract me. It's like, oh dear, that's the wrong coping mechanism. Yeah, that's the wrong coping mechanism. (laughs) But but that can easily be something that we might almost involuntarily encourage someone to do to just find something to kind of kind of cope Mm -hmm. or numb the pain instead of process the pain. I know for me, even like just being encouraged to like let it out instead of bury it, I, I sometimes just need to cry. Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's crying by myself but sometimes it's crying with someone and they don't need to say a darn thing (laughs) they can just be I remember when we when I was discharged from the hospital when Beckett was two days old because I was healthy postpartum he was in the NICU and at the time we didn't know this but it would be months and we come home it didn't help that it was our anniversary (laughs) it was a bad day but I walked into the our, our house, and I just collapsed on the floor. And my mom and sister happened to be there taking care of Brody, and I just collapsed in tears and sobs. And they literally just came and sat next to me and cried with me. There's nothing that could be done. I couldn't at that point even bury or hide it or stuff it, but I just mm-hmm. needed to let it out.
0: <laughs> Let's give two more here. Okay. Uh, but, and then we'll wrap up. Here's a big one. Insinuate that God is not enough or that he's abandoned you. Mm -hmm. When I say insinuate, here's an example of what I mean. When people heard about Beckett's condition, right, he's never going to walk. He's never going to talk. He's never going to eat from his mouth. He's going to have a feeding tube. He's going to be that limited.
1: Probably have chronic seizures.
0: Yeah, we're going to bury him. They would look at it And kind of the horror of the situation. And we got this regularly where people would say, I'll pray that he'll be healed. I'll pray that he would be healed. And over time, what I realized is that most of these people don't see how this can be okay unless he is. right. They actually don't have much hopefulness for us. Mm -hmm. In other words, unless he's healed... There's no hope. There, there's, no, there's no there's no, way forward for you. In other mm-hmm. words, God is not sufficient enough to sustain you and your family in all of this mm-hmm. unless Beckett is healed.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And there was another group of—so we got that from a, a lot of Christians. There were another group of Christians who really did grasp it rightly and would communicate like, nope, even if it's as bad as you think it is mm-hmm. and it looks like, he's with you and he is enough.
1: And it is we would obviously say there is nothing wrong with praying and interceding for people for healing. That sure. was yep. that is a great thing to pray, but it I always was more comforted when people would tell me I'm praying that you would walk well with the Lord. I'm mm-hmm. praying that you would be sustained by God through this no matter what. I'm praying for God's will to be done. Because to me that was more encouraging. And then praying for healing, because that does seem like your ultimate hope is that there's only hope in a healing.
0: I, I had a, a friend who would regularly tell me and just remind me, he is with you. Mm. That was, that was kind of his regular go-to for me. God is with you. Mm-hmm. He is with you. Mm-hmm. And insinuating he is enough. In other mm-hmm. words, because he is with you and he is God, you're in good hands. Right. You're okay. Yeah. You're going to make it. Mm-hmm. Didn't, oversta- didn't overstate it, didn't over communicate it, didn't, and preach. didn't elaborate constantly, mm-hmm. just texts, he is with you, yep. he is there. I think you can communicate that God is not enough or that he's abandoned you. When, if you get mad on their behalf for the circumstance you're in, if you get mad at God, mm-hmm.
2: Uh, mm-hmm.
0: if that makes sense, mm-hmm. oh, your son or daughter just died or you just got the cancer diagnosis and you get really mad at God
2: mm-hmm.
0: on their behalf, that doesn't communicate that he's trustworthy. That doesn't help the sufferer right. in, their, in their hardship. Mm-hmm, for sure. To embrace and place their faith and walk with God during their circumstance. Mm-hmm. So, here, Okay, here's the last one. Blame them wrongly. Mm-hmm. So when I say blame them wrongly, basically it would be like communicating, hey, this is your fault When it's not really their fault. Or you really can't know if it was their fault. Certainly, if I drive drunk, crash into a tree, break my leg, yeah, that is my fault. My suffering is my fault. I I need to own it. You probably don't have to mention it to me in the moment. I I think I kind (laughs) of know. But you'll see that someone will be bothered by a loved one's pain or suffering, just like uncomfortable with the situation, Mm -hmm. and wish it wasn't there, and then go to blaming them. Right. Oh, you have cancer? You must have, why did you eat like that? You know? Right. And oh, yeah. guess what? Maybe there was s- some lifestyle choice that led to that. But if you don't really know, mm-hmm. are you really just going to, is it really wise mm-hmm. to enter in and make some overarching, broad right. statement?
1: I, On the flip side, I, I distinctly remember when we were getting the information and even the positive um, diagnosis for Beckett that he had congenital CMV, which was a virus that I contracted for my first time while pregnant and it transferred to Beckett. I remember asking a lot of questions of the infectious disease specialist as he was giving us this news and I was trying to kind of just make sense of it in my head and one of my questions was even when do you think I contracted CMV? And before he ever answered, he looked at me and said, "You can't blame yourself." Yeah. And it, it was that he was reminding me that I can't own the responsibility of this, that this is.
0: It, yeah, it was really wise of him. It was very wise. That's of him. And that has, example of... has
1: stuck with me to this day, obviously, because it was so, and he was so emphatic and so certain of that and, and wanted to remind me of that, that whatever he basically he was saying, whatever I'm about to share, it's not because I want to help you blame yourself because it's nothing to be blamed for.
0: Well, this has been great. Uh, These are a number of things that we have just seen and experienced in our life of how not to grieve well. And what we're going to do actually in the next episode is we're going to flip the coin and talk about how to grieve well. And some of it will be the exact opposite of what we just shared. Some of it will be maybe some more nuanced new tips.
1: I think before we totally wrap up, though, I think it's so important to mention because As individuals that have been in the depths of deep grief, I've very much been aware too that it takes prayer and work on my side to be a gracious receiver of comfort because I I can recognize people, I think in general, do desire to enter in, but don't know how and it can be hard and confusing and scary. And so on our end, even as receivers of comfort while we're grieving, And my encouragement for anyone that is walking through it would be that we can have a position of graciousness towards those that are in our proximity that would try and even if they stumble with their words or or say stupid things that we would really have a posture of graciousness towards them. And then as you do consider entering in with people, really cover those conversations and interactions with prayer. Use discernment and wisdom um, because that's so so important. But also, if you do stick your foot in your mouth, just humbly apologize. Yeah. <laughs> you know, call it what it is and say, that was really dumb. Was I'm really mouth. sorry. <laughs> yep. Circumstance. Right.
0: Well, well said, cute wife. Well said. So, yeah, we do want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Blue Stem Project. It's been a pleasure having you. I want to remind you that the Blue Stem Project exists to equip and encourage you in the suffering, hardships, and trials of life that come with health issues and disability And we seek to do this by helping root you in Christ and by giving you the tools you need to be ready for life's greatest obstacles.
1: Yeah, and it would be such an honor to take this journey with you. Please do hit the subscribe button and tell a friend or family member experiencing health issues and medical disability about the Bluestem Project.